Audio 105, Congregation of the Dead, Part 66, God's War, Part 19. The man that wandereth out of the way of understanding shall remain in the Congregation of the Dead. This message is entitled, Run to Win, Part 3. And in this message, we will find that both the moralist and the flagrant sinner must be careful not to cross God's imaginary line of no return. The moralist is warned that it is impossible for those who were enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted of the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away to renew them again to repentance. As opposed to the flagrant profane sinner Esau, who crossed God's imaginary line of no return and was rejected, or he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. None of us as natural man Americans are born into this world knowing whether or not we are one of the elect. Nor did Cain or Abel or Esau or Jacob. But though they knew it not, both Abel and Jacob were of the elect. And in this message, we will look in detail into the lives of Jacob and Esau, one of them being elect and one of them not being elect. And the sin of both of them to remind us natural men americans what if god put on display for the whole world our lives as he did esau and jacob how would we fare thus we are encouraged by former mr morality himself to run to win to be temperate in all things and to keep under our body and bring it into subjection lest that by any means, when we have preached to others, we ourselves should be a castaway. And why was the Apostle Paul worried about this? But because though we can have 100% assurance that we are a new creation, our heart is so deceitful that many, many of us Americans will have thought we were Christians when in reality we were nothing more than an almost Christian. Former Mr. Morality writes, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 26, I, former Mr. Morality, therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Though the Jews' language is Hebrew, the New Testament was written in Koine Greek, for that was the common language of the people at that time. In this verse, former Mr. Morality says, lest I be a castaway. In other scriptures, the Greek word for castaway is translated as reprobate. For example, former Mr. Morality writes, in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, I command you, examine yourselves. He's talking to his brethren in Corinth. I command you, examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. 
Know ye not your own selves, not what somebody else has told you, but know ye not your own self from your own experience. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be a reprobate. That is the same Greek word that is translated castaway in his run to win passage. Now, in this particular passage, examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith, prove your own selves, know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be a reprobate. It is very clear. If Christ does not literally live in you, if his spirit does not literally live in you, you are an almost Christian. You are not a true Christian. You are still a natural man. So in his run to win passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. Verse 25, and every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. Verse 26, I therefore run not as uncertainly, so fight I not as one that beateth the air. But, verse 27, I keep under my body and bring it into subjection lest by any means when I have preached to others I myself should be a castaway an unbeliever now this is very difficult for our fast food free will friends who say once saved always saved which is a true statement once we are made a new creation we can't undo it we cannot become not a new creation. But throughout the scriptures, as we have mentioned many times, the prime example would be Judas himself, who appeared to be a Christian, but in reality was really a reprobate or a castaway. The true Christian is keenly aware of the evil proclivities of his heart and is keenly aware that there are many around him that have deceived themselves into thinking they're Christians, but they are not. Thus, the true Christian knows if he does not keep his foot on the accelerator, as former Mr. Morality says, therefore, so run not as uncertainly, so fight I not with one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection lest by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. He understood. I keep under my body and bring it into subjection for what can happen if we don't keep our body under subjection. We learned from the last message that fisherman Peter warned us what can happen? Second Peter chapter 1, verse 8. For if 
these things. What things? There were seven things that we should do to keep under our body and to bring it in to subjection. And what were those seven things? Fisherman Peter writes, chapter one, this is Second Peter, verse five. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith, number one, virtue, which is moral excellence, and add to your virtue, knowledge. And how do we get knowledge of Jesus Christ? By continually eating of the bread of life, which is the word of God. And add to your knowledge, temperance or self-control. And to temperance, patience, must wait on God through the believing the promises of God. And to patience, godliness. And this kind of godliness is a godliness that worships Jesus at his footstool for we are seeing the evil proclivities of our heart and we are thus in a state of continual repentance over them. And to godliness, brotherly kindness, and we spoke of Jonathan and David whose souls were knit together. And to brotherly kindness, charity. That's the Greek word agape. When we experience the love of Jesus Christ, that love will translate into not only loving other believers, but it will make us want to help the impoverished, the widows, the fatherless, the poor, those that are cast out. Again, if these seven things be in you, what is going to happen? There is going to be a protection. For if, for if these seven things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9, but he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins like Jonah. Verse 10, wherefore the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and election sure for if ye do these seven things, ye shall never fall. So we see this is basically the, exactly the same thing as Foreman Mr. Morality said. Let's read the whole passage again. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. Run to win, not for second place. Verse 25, and every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things, like those who try to achieve a gold medal in the Olympics. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible crown. Verse 26, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. Verse 27, but I keep under my body and 
bring it into subjection. And Fisherman Peter told us how to keep our body in subjection. Lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Now Judas most likely started out believing that he was a true believer. But as time went on, he himself probably began to realize he wasn't like the other 11. And eventually his inclinations proved to be true for he was the head of the treasury and not keeping his body under him and bringing it into subjection. The evil black cat of theft escaped and he sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. Now, in reality, Judas was never a new creation. He probably thought he was, but he never was. And if we have been listening to Jonathan Edwards in his treatise on religious affections, an almost Christian can have many similarities as the true Christian. For the Spirit of God may shine upon that particular person, like the sun shines upon the moon. But once the sun is not shining on the moon, the moon is pure 100% darkness. For it is not like a star that has its own light. Former Mr. Morality, after he became a new creation, wrote this in Galatians 2.20. I, former Mr. Morality, am crucified with Christ. The law I now know means perfection. And so the law throws me to the feet of Jesus. I am moment by moment crucified. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. Now, how is that possible? Think about that. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. But it is Christ that lives in me. The Spirit of Christ literally lives in me. And one of the worst haters of Jesus is now saying that the guy that he once helped hand over to be crucified, in other words, he helped hand over God to be crucified, now he says that Christ literally lives in me. His spirit lives in me. So again, he writes to his brethren in Corinth, I command you, examine yourselves whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be a reprobate, except you be a castaway. I can tell you from experience, that there was no way that Christ lived in me as a Pharisee. For I wanted him handed over to Pilate to be crucified and I persecuted his followers for six to eight years. But I can tell you now, I am 100% sure that Jesus Christ's spirit now lives in me. Don't be like I was, an ignorant Pharisee thinking I knew the true Messiah when I really did not. 
now I see how evil my heart is. And I see how many people who profess to be Christians are not Christians or they fall away as time goes on. I want to be diligent in making my election sure as Fisherman Peter has instructed us. If we truly are a new creation, we can't undo that. It's a new creation. It's a new birth. Jesus is not into the remodeling business. He is only into new construction. And when he makes a new creation, that new creation is not going to go out of existence. But we, as true believers, see the evilness of our own heart. We live our life as King David commands us in Psalm 2, verse 11. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Verse 12, kiss the son, lest he be angry and ye perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. King Solomon, King David's son, writes Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The moment that we are made a new creation, we now fear God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools, which include many of our fast food free will theologians and friends who emphasize grace and love, but conveniently leave out fear and mercy. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, Let us, the elect, therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. And for what reason do they come to the throne of grace? Let us therefore come boldly on to the throne of grace in order that we might obtain what? Why do we come to the throne of grace? That we might obtain mercy and then find grace in time of need. Now, mercy cannot be untied from fear. King David writes, Psalm 103, verse 13, Like as a father pitieth his children, the Lord pitieth them that fear him. Verse 14, For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. Verse 15, As for man, his days are as grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourishes. Verse 16, for the wind passeth over it, and it is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. Verse 17, but the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that what? them that fear him and his righteousness unto the children's children. And what is mercy? We are asking 
God to refrain from punishing us. For the new creation is well aware of the wrath of God and how that wrath of God comes upon him when he gets out of line just a little. In the book of Hebrews, we find that former Mr. Morality, though we really don't know who the author of the book of Hebrew is, many of us believe that it is former Mr. Morality himself because the writing style between the book of Hebrews and his other 13 epistles are very similar. So let's assume that it is former Mr. Morality that wrote the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 3. Former Mr. Morality speaks about the wrath of God that comes upon the new creation. And he can personally testify to this, for he himself obviously is a new creation. Verse 3, For consider him, that is Christ, that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Verse 4, Ye have not resisted unto blood like Christ, striving against sin. Verse 5, And ye have forgotten the exhortation. And what exhortation is he talking about? But the exhortation of given by King Solomon in the book of Proverbs. O former Mr. Morality quotes from the Proverbs, My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. Verse 6, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Verse 7, If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? Verse 8, But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards, illegitimate children, not a new creation. Then ye are bastards and not sons. You're not a new creation. Verse 9, furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the father of spirits and live? Verse 10, for they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. But he, that is God, for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Verse 11, now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Verse 12, Wherefore lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees, verse 13, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, 
but let it rather be healed. Verse 14, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Without holiness, we will not see the Lord. And what is holiness? But keeping our Father in heaven's commandments perfectly, which is impossible. So the only way that we can be holy in God's sight is when the righteousness of God is imputed to us. That is Jesus's fulfillment of the commandments for us, both his passive and active obedience. Verse 14 again, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Verse 15. Now, as we listen to verse 15, let us think back to former Mr. Morality's passage in which he told us to run to win. Verse 26 of 1 Corinthians chapter 9, I, former Mr. Morality, therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. Verse 27, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway or a reprobate or an unbeliever. Now back to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Verse 15, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. And what again did fisherman Peter say? Second Peter chapter one, verse 10, Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, those seven things, ye shall never fall. And back to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Verse 16, lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. Now, who was Esau? But he was Abraham's grandson. Abraham's son, Isaac, and his daughter-in-law, Rebekah, had twin sons. And one of the sons was Jacob, and the other one was Esau. Esau was the oldest, and he was not one of the elect. But Jacob was one of the elect. If we remember back to Adam and Eve, they had two sons, Cain and Abel. Abel was one of the elect, and Esau was not one of the elect. Former Mr. Morality 
writes about this to his brethren in Rome, chapter 9, verse 10. And not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one, even by our father Isaac, verse 11, for the children, that is the twin boys, Esau and Jacob, for the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, in order that the purpose of God, not the purpose of man or not the purpose of God in cooperation with man, but that the purpose of God, exclusively God, but the purpose of God according to election might stand not of works, but of him that calleth. Verse 12, it was said unto Rebekah, the elder, that would be Esau, shall serve the younger, which is Jacob. Verse 13, as it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. Verse 14, what shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. Verse 15, for he saith unto Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Verse 16, so then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. Verse 17, for the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, even for this same purpose, have God power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Verse 18, therefore hath he mercy, hath God mercy on whom he will have mercy, and whom he will he hardeneth. Verse 19, Thou wilt say then unto me, Why doth he yet find fault? For who hath resisted his will? Verse 20, Nay, but O man, who art thou that thou repliest against God? Shall the thing form say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Verse 21, hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? Verse 22, what if God willing to show his wrath and to make known his power endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath, which would be like Esau or Cain, long-suffering the vessels of wrath, fitted, that is fitted from the foundation of the world, fitted to destruction, verse 23, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, like Abel or Jacob, which he had afore prepared unto glory, that is before the foundation of the world. Verse 24, even us 
and that's former Mr. Morality and his Roman brethren, even us whom he hath called not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. Verse 25, as he saith also in Hosea, I will call them my people, which were not my people, and her beloved, which was not beloved. Verse 26, and it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, ye are not my people, there shall they be called the children of the living God. Now, we have discussed this whole idea of election many, many times, so we're not going to go into detail upon it on this particular message. But let us skip forward uh, to chapter 11, verse 1. I say then, hath God cast away his people, that is, the elect who were chosen before the foundation of the world, we must remember that Jesus cannot give salvation to everyone, but only the ones that were given to him by his Father before the foundation of the world. In fact, uh, Jesus does not even pray for the world, but only for the ones given to him by his Father before the foundation of the world. Hath God cast away his people? Hath God cast away his elect? God forbid, for I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. Now, in this particular case, the Israelite, he's speaking about the spiritual Israel. There are two Israels, the nation Israel, that is the Jewish people by genealogy, and then there's the spiritual Israel. For I, former Mr. Morality, am also an Israelite of the seed of Abraham. Now, we're talking about the spiritual seed of the tribe of Benjamin. So former Mr. Morality was of the tribe of Benjamin. Verse two, God hath not cast away his people, which he foreknew. And I'm a living example of this. One of the worst haters of Jesus Christ. I was one of the elect and I had no idea I was one of the elect. God hath not cast away his people, which would have included me, which he foreknew. What? Ye not what the scripture saith of Elijah, how he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, verse 3, Lord, they have killed thy prophets and dig down thine altars, and I am left alone. So Elijah is thinking he's the only believer left. And they seek my life, verse 4, but what? Seth, the answer of God unto him, I have reserved to myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. He says, God says, listen, you're not the only believer. There's 7,000 more that are also part of the elect. And yet that is very few out of the millions in Israel. Verse five, even so then, at this present time also, there is a remnant. There are 7,000 of us that are of the elect. And you're thinking you're the only one? Well, you're not the only one. According to the election of grace, even so then, at this present time also, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. Verse 6, and if by grace, and what is grace? Grace is unmerited favor, and 
What is that unmerited favor but the righteousness of God? Faith in the righteousness of God is our ticket into heaven. It is both Jesus' active and passive obedience uh, to his Father, which is given to us as a gift. And thus the Father in heaven looks down upon us as holy because he sees us wrapped in his Son's obedience not our own. All we can see is the wretchedness of our heart. Verse 6, And if by grace, then it is no more of works. If we have the righteousness of God, it is not of works. For now the law can only condemn. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, if we think we can follow the law and get to heaven, then it is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. Verse 7, what then? Israel, that is spiritual Israel, or the Jewish elect, what then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, but the election hath obtained it. And the rest were blinded. So let us again now emphasize verse 6 of chapter 11. And if by grace, if by the righteousness of God, faith in the righteousness of God, then it is no more of works, no more the fig leaves of morality. Otherwise, grace or the righteousness of God is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. And thus, works or following the commandments and the righteousness of God are completely exclusive to one another. You cannot mix works with the righteousness of God. Now the law can only condemn us and throw us to the feet of Jesus, crying out for mercy as Jesus lifting us up and embracing us, saying, fear not, my father's wrath has been subdued. Just believe by faith on the righteousness of God and on his promises for you. Now, let us go back to Esau and Jacob. But before we do, again, let us be reminded, like Abel, Jacob was one of the elect, and like Cain, Esau was not one of the elect. And to remind ourselves, let us again read chapter 9, verse 10 of Romans. And not only this, but when Rebekah, that was the mother of the two twin boys, Jacob and Esau. And not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one, even by our father Isaac, that would be her husband, Rebekah and Isaac were married. Verse 11, for the children, that would be the two twin boys, Esau and Jacob, for the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil. Why? That the purpose of God according to election might stand not of works, but of him that calleth. Verse 12, it was said unto Rebekah, the elder, that would be 
Esau shall serve the younger Jacob. Verse 13, as it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. If we will remember, God's spiritual war began when Eve believed Satan's lie and ate of the fruit. And God was not pleased. And so he put enmity or hatred between Eve and Satan and between Satan's seed and Eve's seed. And Satan was an angel and angels do not reproduce. So who would be Satan's seed? But all of us natural men, Americans, are Satan's seed because we all know we are liars by nature. And Jesus said that Satan was not only a liar, but he was the father of lies. So our nature is closer to Satan's than it is to Jesus who was holy. He who knew no sin was made sin. And Eve's seed ends up being Jesus and his elect. So what happened was Abel was elected and was made a new creation. And he began to witness to Cain. And what was the curse? There would be hatred between the seed of the woman and the seed of the servant. And so as a new creation, Abel began to witness to Cain and Cain, because of the curse, began eventually to hate Abel and murdered him. For God had put enmity or hatred between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. And this same thing begins to happen between Jacob and Esau. And eventually Esau wants to kill Jacob. And so Jacob has to flee for his life to the land where his uncle Laban lives. And in the time he lived there, his uncle deceived him and he ended up marrying Laban's daughter, Leah, and then ended up eventually marrying the daughter, Rachel, who was the one he was really in love with. And between these two wives, he ended up with 12 sons, which became the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, with that background, let us go back to Hebrews chapter 12, in which we have learned how the Lord chastens his true believers or chastens his elect. And Hebrews chapter 12, verse 12, Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. Verse 13, And make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Verse 14, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Verse 15, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. Verse 16, lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright 
to Jacob. Verse 17, for ye know how that afterward, when Esau would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Now, none of us Americans, when we are born into this world, know whether or not we are one of the elect. And again, the apostle Paul had no idea he was one of the elect and thus persecuted Jesus and his followers. And so Esau, again, did not know whether he was one of the elect either because sometimes it's on our deathbed that we become elected like the thief on the cross. So if we have yet to be elected, we should agonize to enter in at the straight gate for many will seek to enter in, but they won't be able to. That is what Jesus tells us to do. Do everything we can to become elected, even though all our works will mean nothing. And so why should we do it? Simply because Jesus tells us to do it. So former Mr. Morality is saying, look, don't go down the road that Esau did. For he is putting nails in his own coffin, even though it was foreknown before the foundation of the world that Esau was not one of the elect. Verse 15, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, thereby any be defiled. Verse 16, lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. Verse 17, for ye know how that afterward when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. So what former Mr. Morality is saying here to us natural men Americans, don't go down this road that Esau and just be arrogant and purposely in God's face. For we may cross God's imaginary line of no return, which King David's son, which would be King Solomon, wrote about. King Solomon writes, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 19. So are the ways of everyone that is greedy of gain, like Esau, which taketh away the life of the owners thereof. Verse 20. Wisdom crieth without. She uttereth her voice in the streets. And who is wisdom? But Jesus. Wisdom is the application of knowledge via understanding. Jesus is the application of God on earth. When we read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we should watch carefully how Jesus responds to different situations. For how Jesus responds to different situations is how God responds. Jesus is the head of the church. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22. And hath put all things under his feet, that is Jesus' feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, 
Verse 23, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. And the church is referred also as Christ or Jesus' bride. And so if we think of Jesus as being the application of God on earth in the form of Jesus, and that Jesus is the head of the church, and the church is the bride of Christ, then we can think of the church as a she. So wisdom in this passage in Proverbs 1, we can think of as she also. Verse 20, wisdom crieth without, she, she uttereth her voice in the streets. Verse 21, she crieth in the chief place of concourse, in the openings of the gates in the city, she uttereth her words, saying, Verse 22, how long, ye simple ones, ye natural men Americans, will ye love simplicity and the scorners delight in their scorning and fools hate knowledge? Verse 23, turn you, ye natural men Americans, turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you just like I did the Apostle Paul. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but it is Christ that lives in me. Turn you at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. Verse 24, but because I have called and ye refuse. Why? Because our nature is in rebellion to God. We are adulterers by nature, envious by nature, liars by nature, murderers by nature, etc., etc. Because I have called and ye refused, I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded. Verse 25, but ye have said it not all my counsel, just like former minister morality did. And would none of my reproof, verse 26, I also will laugh at your calamity like I did Esau. I will mock when your fear cometh. Verse 27, when your fear cometh as a desolation and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind and distress and anguish cometh upon you. Verse 28, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me early, but they shall not find me. Verse 29, for that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. Now let us go back to Hebrews, where former Mr. Morality is speaking about Esau. Verse 16, lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright to Jacob. Verse 17, for ye know how that afterward, when Esau would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Now again, let us see how similar that sounds to what King Solomon is writing. Verse 25, but ye have set at naught all my counsel, and with none of my reproof. Verse 26, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. Verse 27, when your fear cometh as a desolation 
and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind. When distress and anguish cometh upon you, verse 28, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. Verse 29, for that they hated knowledge because they have a nature that is in defiance to God. They shall call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. Verse 29, for that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. Verse 30, they would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. Verse 32, for the turning away of the simple shall slay them and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. Verse 33, but whosoever hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from fear of evil. So Esau was not elected, but Jacob was. But remember that Esau did not know whether or not he was one of the elect or not. And thus, what former Mr. Morality is trying to tell us that all of us, natural men Americans, because we do not know whether or not we're one of the elect, we should keep our foot on the accelerator and do what Jesus commands and not be like arrogant Esau or arrogant Cain. But we should do what Jesus commands us to do, even though it doesn't make any sense. Dr. Luke chapter 13, verse 22. And Jesus went through the cities and villages, teaching, journeying towards Jerusalem. Verse 23. Then said one unto Jesus, Lord, are there few that be saved? And Jesus said unto them, verse 24, agonize, keep on agonizing to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. Verse 25, when once the master of the house is risen up and hath shut to the door and you begin to stand without and to knock at the door saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. And he shall answer and say unto you, I know you not whence ye are. Verse 26. Then shall you begin to say, we have eaten and drunk in thy presence. And thou hast taught in our streets. Verse 27. But he shall say, I tell you, I know you not whence ye are. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity, you workers of self-righteousness. Verse 28. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth when ye shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, but not Esau. 
you shall see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, and you yourselves thrust out like Cain or Judas. Verse 29, and they shall come from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south and shall sit down in the kingdom of God. Verse 30, and behold, there are last which shall be first like the thief on the cross. And there shall be first which are last like Judas or Esau or Cain. But we as John Q. Public of America say to ourselves, why should we do this if all our effort makes no different for we are chosen before we are even born? We are chosen before the foundation of the world. And the answer to that question is just like it is impossible to, in human terms, understand the Trinity, it is impossible why we should make every effort to be admitted into heaven when it doesn't make any difference. The entire new creation is paradoxical in nature. There is the oil of joy for mourning. Well, who has joy when they mourn? It is the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. When you're heavy, how in the world can you be praising and be joyful towards God? It is beauty for ashes. The natural man theologians totally have to try to twist the scriptures to make it fit their natural man because they've never been elected and they do not understand what even Peter Fisherman and Fisherman John and Mary Magdalene and the ignorant people of Israel understood, but the educated Pharisees did not understand. The only way we will ever totally understand the new creation is after we've been elected. It is only those that have been elected that truly believe in election. And former Mr. Morality himself is the prime example of this. It is he who wrote to his brethren in Rome chapter 9, which is entirely on election. And in verse 10, and not only this, but when Rebecca also conceived by one, even by our father Isaac, Verse 11, for the children, the twin boys, Isaac and Jacob, being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, in order that the purpose of God according to election. I, former Mr. Morality, was elected. So I know this is true. For the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. Verse 12, it was said unto Rebekah, the elder shall serve the younger. Verse 13, as it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. Oh, that is hard for us as Americans to swallow, that God hated Esau. But before Jacob was made a new creation. He had the same evil nature as Esau. And it is the true believer that hates his evil sin nature. For if he doesn't hate his evil sin nature, he will never 
fly to the righteousness of God, which is holy. And the reason he doesn't hate it is because he still sees some good in himself because he is using the fig leaves of morality to cover over this evil. But no amount of fig leaves of morality will make us as natural men, Americans, holy. And thus, when God looks down from heaven, he looks right through our immorality or our morality with x-ray vision and he sees an evil heart that he hates. And we must come to hate it as he does. And that will never happen until at the moment of our new creation, God circumcises our heart and we see our heart as he does. And we are willing to condemn ourselves to hell. Martin Luther has written, and we've mentioned this many times, the damned are suffering so severely because they were unwilling to be damned. And why were they unwilling to be damned? Because they never had their heart circumcised by God and saw their heart as God did and thus were not willing to condemn themselves to hell and acknowledge that it was an absolute truth that they should not go to heaven. So whether we be natural men Americans or new creation Americans, both of us should have our foot on the accelerator with a vision to get through straight as a gate and narrow is the way and be pardoned before we die physically. And thus, as long as we're still breathing as natural men Americans, we can still have hope that we might have a deathbed conversion like the thief on the cross. But on the other hand, we don't want to be like Esau, who was arrogantly in God's face, a profane natural man, as former Mr. Morality writes about him. And thus, Hopefully, as natural men Americans, we're beginning to see that God has a imaginary line of no return that we can cross as did Esau. Again, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled verse 16 lest there be any fornicator or profane person as esau who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright to jacob verse 17 for you know how afterward when he would have inherited the blessing he was rejected or he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. We as natural men Americans may have even gone so far as to have been enlightened. We may have tasted of the heavenly gift. We may have been partakers of the Holy Ghost. We may have tasted of the good word of God and of the powers of the world to come and yet still not be a new creation. 
Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost, verse 5, and have tasted of the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, verse 6, if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. So former Mr. Morality is warning us to be careful to never let our foot off the accelerator, whether we be natural man Americans attempting to become new creations or whether we be new creations. That is, we think we're new creations and then let our foot off the accelerator. For former Mr. Morality is saying, we may have been enlightened. We may have tasted of the heavenly gift. We may have even been partakers of the Holy Ghost. We may have even tasted of the good word of God. We may have tasted of the powers of the world to come. But if we fall away as Americans, it is impossible to renew us again unto repentance, seeing that we crucify to ourselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. So what is the difference between this passage in Hebrews 6 and profane Esau in chapter 12? Well, let us look behind the scenes. As we have noted already, Jacob was one of the elect before the foundation of the world, and Esau was not one of the elect. Romans chapter 9, verse 11. For the children, that would be the twin boys, Jacob and Esau, whose mother was Rebekah and whose grandfather was Abraham. For the children, Jacob and Esau, being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. Verse 12, it was said unto Rebekah, the elder shall serve the younger. The elder was Esau and the younger was Jacob. Verse 13, as it is written in the Old Testament, Jacob have I loved, but Esau I hated. Now, before we go any further, let us remind ourselves that when Eve believed Satan over God, that God put a curse between Eve and Satan and between Eve's seed and Satan's seed. And Eve's seed would end up being Jesus and his elect. And Satan's seed, again, is all of us natural men Americans are born into this world with Satan as our spiritual father. So we are all of 
the seed of the serpent, spiritually speaking. And what was the curse that God was going to put upon them? But that God would put hatred or enmity between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. Jacob was one of the elect, so he was of the seed of the woman. And Esau was of the seed of the serpent. But both Esau and Jacob were born into the world with Satan as their spiritual father. And Jacob did not know he was one of the elect until after he was elected. Thus, as young boys growing up, both Jacob and Esau were natural men. Neither of them was spiritual because you don't become spiritual until you're made a new creation. And thus, the two boys were like any other boys in a family. Each of them had their own particular type sin. Jacob was sort of sly and more of a mama's boy, where Esau was rough and tumble and yet arrogant, a man's boy or a man's man. But before the foundation of the world, Jacob was already chosen by his father in heaven to be given to Jesus in order that Jesus might give him salvation at an unknown place and time and would be given salvation with absolutely no fingerprints of cooperation upon it. And thus, both Esau and Jacob were in Rebekah's womb at the same time, for they were twins. And they were already in the womb, struggling one against the other. And this continued throughout their youth, with eventually Esau wanting to take out Jacob, because Jacob had deceived his father into giving him the blessing as opposed to Esau. And thus, in this particular case, the struggle or hatred between Satan's seed and Eve's seed began in the womb. With that backdrop, let us turn to Genesis chapter 25, verse to get a brief synopsis of Jacob and Esau's birth and childhood. Genesis chapter 25, verse 20. And Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah to wife, the daughter of Bethuel, the Syrian of Padam Aram, the sister to Laban, the Syrian. Verse 21. And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife, because she was barren. And the Lord was entreated of him. And Rebekah, his wife, conceived. Verse 22. And the children struggled together within her. And Rebekah said, If it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord. Verse 23. And the Lord said unto Rebekah, Two nations 
are in thy womb. And two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. And the one people shall be stronger than the other people. And the elder, that would be Esau, shall serve the younger Jacob. Verse 24. And when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were two twins in her womb. Verse 25. And the first came out red all over like a hairy garment. And they called his name Esau, a man's man. Verse 26. And after that came his brother out and his hand took hold on Esau's heel. And his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was three score years old. That would be 60 when she bare them. Verse 27. And the boys grew. And Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field. And Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. Verse 28. And Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison. Esau was a, a man's man, and, and therefore his dad loved him because he desired a man's man, like many of us American fathers would like to have. Verse 29. And Jacob sawed pottage, and Esau came from the field, and he was faint, Verse 30, and Esau said to Jacob, feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore was his name called Edom. Verse 31, and Jacob said, sell me this day thy birthright. As we can see here, Jacob was going to take advantage of Esau's arrogance. And so Jacob replies, I will give you the stew if you will sell me your birthright. Now, if Esau sold him his birthright, he was selling him, that is selling Jacob, the right to be recognized as the firstborn. And the firstborn son inherited the leadership of the family and the judicial authority of his father. Thus, even for Jacob to ask this question to Esau would mean that Jacob understood that Esau acted before he thought rather than thinking and then acting. Esau wanted his lust fulfilled right now, regardless of the consequences. Verse 30 again. And Esau said to Jacob, feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage or stew, for I am faint. Therefore was his name called Edom, verse 31. And Jacob said, sell me this day thy birthright, verse 32. And Esau said, behold, I am at the point to die, and what Prophet shall this birthright do to me. Verse 33. And Jacob said, Swear to me this day. And he swore unto Jacob. And 
Esau sold his birthright unto Jacob. Verse 34, then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils, and he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Let us now fast forward to the time period in which Isaac, their father, was going blind, and he was thinking that he was going to die. And thus, before he died, he was going to give the blessing. And there's a difference between the birthright and the blessing. The blessing would go to the firstborn, but Esau had sold his birthright to Jacob. But in this passage, we will see that Isaac planned on giving the blessing to Esau. And the blessing could be words of encouragement, further details of the inheritance, or maybe prophetic words. Now, let us remind ourselves that we are comparing Hebrews chapter 6, in which almost Christians have tasted of the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, but are reminded by former Mr. Morality that if they should fall away, it would be impossible to renew them again to repentance, seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. Now these believers, if they fell away, are more like Judas. They were into Christianity and then fell away. Whereas Esau was pretty much profane all his life. He was of the world. And so before we go into portraying the Christians, the professing Christians that fall away, let us take some time to read through Genesis 27 to give us a more detailed portrayal of the life of Jacob and Esau. Genesis chapter 27, verse 1. And it came to pass that when Isaac was old, and his eyes were dim, so that he could not see, he called Esau his eldest son and said unto him, My son, and Esau said unto him, Behold, here am I. Verse 2. And Isaac said, Behold now, I am old. I know not the day of my death. Verse 3. Now therefore take, I pray thee, thy weapons, thy quiver, and thy bow, and go out to the field, and take me some venison. Verse 4 and make me savory meat such as I love and bring it to me that I may eat, that my soul may bless thee before I die. So as the custom was, Isaac is going to give this blessing, which is a big thing as we explained earlier. Verse 5, And Rebekah heard when Isaac spake to Esau his son, and Esau went to the field to hunt for venison and to bring it. 
Verse 6, And Rebekah spake unto Jacob her son, saying, Behold, I heard thy father speak unto Esau thy brother, saying, Verse 7, Bring me venison, and make me savory meat, that I may eat, and bless thee before the Lord, before my death. Verse 8. Now therefore, my son Jacob, obey my voice according to that which I command thee. I, Rebekah, command thee, my son Jacob. Verse 9. Go now to the flock and fetch me from thence two good kids of the goats, and I will make them savory meat for thy father, such as he loveth. Verse 10, And thou shalt bring it to thy father, that he may eat, and that he may bless thee, Jacob, before his death, that is Isaac's death. Verse 11, And Jacob said to Rebekah his mother, Behold, Esau my brother is a hairy man, a man's man, and I am a smooth man. Verse 12, my father peradventure will feel me and I shall seem to him as a deceiver and I shall bring a curse upon me and not a blessing. Verse 13, and his mother said unto him, upon me be thy curse, my son. Only obey my voice and go fetch me them. Verse 14, and Jacob went and fetched and brought them to his mother. And his mother made savory meat such as his father loved. Verse 15, and Rebekah took goodly raiment of her eldest son Esau, which were with her in the house and put them upon Jacob, her younger son. Verse 16, and Rebekah put the skins of the kids of the goats upon his hands and upon the smooth of his neck. Verse 17. And she gave the savory meat and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. Verse 18. And Jacob came unto his father and said, My father... And Isaac said, Here am I. Who art thou, my son? Verse 19, And Jacob said unto his father, I am Esau, thy firstborn. Now, if we remember, uh, Esau had sold the firstborn rights to Jacob. And Jacob said unto his father, I am Esau, thy firstborn. So he's lying. I have done according as thou badest me. Arise, I pray thee, sit and eat of my venison, that thy soul may bless me. Verse 20. And Isaac said unto his son, How is it that thou hast found it so quickly, my son? And Jacob said, Because the Lord thy God brought it to me. Verse 21, And Isaac said unto Jacob, Come near, I pray thee, that I may feel thee, my son. 
whether thou be my very son Esau or not. Verse 22, and Jacob went near unto Isaac his father, and he felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. Verse 23, and Isaac discerned him not because his hands were hairy as his brother's Esau hands were. So Isaac blessed Jacob. Verse 24, and Isaac said, Isaac his father said, art thou my very son Esau? And Jacob said, I am. Verse 25. And Isaac said, Bring it near to me, and I will eat of my son's venison, that my soul may bless thee. And he brought it near to him, that is, his father Isaac. And Isaac did eat, and he brought him wine, and he drank. Verse 26, and his father Isaac said unto Jacob, come near now and kiss me, my son. Verse 27, and Jacob came near and kissed him. And he smelled the smell of his raiment and blessed him and said, see, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field which the Lord hath blessed. At this point, Isaac is going to bless Jacob, who he thinks is Esau. So this is the blessing that he is going to bestow upon Jacob unknowingly, thinking he's giving it to Esau. Again, see, the smell of my son is the smell of a field which the Lord hath blessed. Verse 28, therefore God Give thee, Esau, but it really is Jacob. Therefore, God give thee of the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and plenty of corn and wine. Verse 29, let people serve thee. And now Esau is going to have to serve Jacob. Let people serve thee and nations bow down to thee. Be Lord over thy brethren. He thinks he is making Esau Lord over Jacob. And thus all these blessings that he thinks are going to Esau are really going to Jacob. Again, verse 29. Let people serve thee and nations bow down to thee. Be Lord over thy brethren, and let thy mother's sons bow down to thee. Cursed be everyone that curses thee, and blessed be he that blesseth thee. So all of these blessings are going to Jacob and not Esau. Verse 30, and it came to pass as soon as Isaac had made an end of blessing Jacob, and Jacob was yet scarce gone out from the presence 
of Isaac, his father, that Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. Verse 31. And Esau also made savory meat and brought it unto his father and said unto his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's venison that thy soul may bless me. Verse 32. And Isaac, his father, said unto Esau, Who art thou? And Esau said, I am thy son. Thy firstborn Esau, verse 33, and Isaac trembled very exceedingly and said, Who? Where is he that taketh venison and brought it me? And I have eaten of all before thou camest and have blessed Jacob. Yea, and Jacob shall be blessed. Verse 34, and when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with a great and exceeding bitter cry and said unto his father, bless me, even me also, O my father. Verse 35, and Isaac said, thy brother came with subtlety and hath taken away thy blessing. Verse 36. And Esau said, Is not he rightly named Jacob? For Jacob hath supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright. And behold, now he hath taken away my blessing. And Esau said, Hast thou not reserved a blessing for me? Verse 37. And Isaac answered and said unto Esau, Behold, I have made him thy Lord, and all his brethren have I given to him for servants. And with corn and wine have I sustained him. And what shall I do now unto thee, my son? Verse 38. And Esau said unto his father, Hast thou but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O oh, my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Verse 39. And Isaac his father answered him and said unto Esau, Behold, thy dwelling shall be the fatness of the earth, and of the dew of heaven from above. Verse 40, And by thy sword shalt thou live, and shalt serve thy brother, and it shall come to pass, when thou shalt have the dominion, that thou shalt break his yoke from off thy neck. Verse 41, And Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him. And Esau said unto his heart, The day of mourning for my father are at hand. Then will I slay my brother Jacob. So as Cain desired to kill Abel, so we see here that 
Esau desired to kill Jacob. And yet, in reality, Jacob is not converted yet. But his mother, experiencing the two brothers struggling in her womb, knows what the Lord had told her. Genesis chapter 25, verse 22. And the children, Esau and Jacob, struggled together within her. That is their mother, Rebekah. And Rebekah said, If it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord. Verse 23. And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. And the one people shall be stronger than the other people. And the elder, which is Esau, shall serve the younger. Which shows the overruling power of our Lord. And though this prophecy came true by deceit, and we the people as well as our leaders of this nation need to acknowledge the overruling power of God, not only in our individual lives, but in our American nation. Let us again listen to Abraham Lincoln. Quote, And whereas it is the duty of nations as well as of men, to own their dependence upon the overruling power of God and to recognize the sublime truth announced in the Holy Scriptures and proven by all history that those nations only are blessed whose God is the Lord. Abraham Lincoln. Verse 41 again. And Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, the days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then will I slay my brother Jacob. Verse 42. And these words of Esau, her elder son, were told to Rebekah. And Rebekah sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said unto him, Behold, thy brother Esau, as touching thee, doth comfort himself, purposing to kill thee. Verse 43. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice, and arise, flee thou to Laban, my brother in Haran. Verse 44. And tarry with him a few days, until thy brother's fury turn away. Verse 45. Until thy brother's anger turn away from thee, and he forget that which thou hast done to him. Then I will send and fetch thee from thence. Why should I be deprived also of you both in one day? Verse 46. And Rebekah said to Isaac, I am weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob take a wife of the daughters of Heth, such as these which are of the daughters of the land, what good shall my life do me? Esau had taken a wife from the daughters of Heth, and she did not want Jacob 
taking a wife from the daughters of Heth. And thus Jacob flees to Rebekah's brother's land, which is Padam Aram. Genesis chapter 28, verse 1. And Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said unto him, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. Verse 2. Arise, go to Padam Aram, to the house of Bethuel, thy mother's father, and take thee a wife from thence of the daughters of Laban, thy mother's brother. Verse 3. And God Almighty bless thee, and make thee fruitful, and multiply thee, that thou mayest be a multitude of people, and give thee the blessing of Abraham to thee, and to thy seed with thee, that thou mayest inherit the land wherein thou art a stranger, which God gave unto Abraham. Verse 5. And Isaac sent away Jacob, and he went to Paddan Aram, unto Laban, the son of Bethuel, the Syrian, the brother of Rebekah, Jacob and Esau's mother. Verse 6. When Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Paddan Aram to take him a wife from thence, and that as he blessed him, he gave him a charge, saying, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. Verse 7, And that Jacob obeyed his father and his mother and was gone to Padam Aram. Verse 8, And Esau, seeing the daughters of Canaan, pleased not Isaac his father. Verse 9, And then went Esau unto Ishmael. And we remember that Ishmael was Abraham's son through Hagar, and that Ishmael was to be a wild man in the face of every man, but especially the Jews. So Esau and Jacob do not meet again for several years. For Jacob went to be with his uncle, that is his mother's brother, and his name was Laban. And Jacob fell in love with one of his daughters named Rachel. But Laban deceived Jacob, and he ended up marrying the older daughter, Leah, and had to work seven more years for Laban in order to marry the daughter that he loved, which was Rachel. Between these two wives and each their servant, he ended up with 12 sons. And at a certain point, he took his wife and his 12 sons and he headed back home. But Uncle Laban is not pleased. Genesis chapter 31, verse 41. Thus I, Jacob, been 20 years in thy house. I have served thee 14 years for thy two daughters and six years for thy cattle. And thou hast changed my wages 10 times. Verse 42, except the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had been with me, surely thou hadst sent me away now empty. God hath seen my affliction and the labor of my hands and rebuked thee yesternight. Verse 43, And Laban answered and said unto Jacob, 
These daughters are my daughters, and these children are my children, and these cattle are my cattle, and all that thou seest is mine. And what can I do this day unto these my daughters or unto their children, which they have born? Genesis chapter 32, verse 1. And Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. Verse 6. And the messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to thy brother Esau, and also he cometh to meet thee with four hundred men with him. Verse 7. Then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed, and he divided the people that was with him and the flocks and the herds and the camels into two bands. Verse 8, and said, If Esau come to the one company and smite it, then the other company which is left shall escape. Verse 9, and Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord which setteth unto me, Return unto thy country and to thy kindred, and I will deal well with thee. Verse 10. I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which thou hast showed unto thy servant. For with my staff I passed over this Jordan, and now I am become two bands. Verse 11. Deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him lest he will come and smite me and the mother with the children. Jacob had been gone for 20 years, and yet Jacob was still afraid of the hatred that Esau might still have towards him. Now, up to this point, Jacob was an almost Christian, but he was not a new creation. His name was still Jacob, but God is going to change that name to Israel after he has made him a new creation. Verse 11 again, Jacob says, Deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand of my brother and from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he will come and smite me and the mother with the children. Verse 12, And thou saidst, he's talking to God, I will surely do thee good and make thy seed as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. Verse 13, And he lodged there that same night, and he took of that which came to his hand a present for Esau his brother. Verse 14, 200 she-goats and 20 he-goats, 200 ewes and 20 rams. Verse 15, 30 milch camels with their colts, 40 kine and 10 bulls, 20 she-asses and 10 foals. Verse 16, and he delivered them into the hand of his servants, every drove by themselves and said unto his servants, Pass over before me, and put a space betwixt drove and drove. Verse 17, And he commanded the foremost, saying, When Esau 
My brother meeteth thee and asketh thee, saying, Whose art thou? And whither goest thou? And whose are these before thee? Verse 18. Then thou shalt say, They be thy servant, Jacob's. It is a present sent unto my Lord Esau. And behold, also, he is behind us. Verse 19. And so commanded he the second and the third and all that followed the drove, saying on this manner, shall ye speak unto Esau when ye find him. Verse 20. And say ye moreover, behold, thy servant Jacob is behind us. For he said, I will appease him with the present that goeth before me. And afterward, I will see his face. Peradventure, he will accept of me. Verse 21. So went the present over before him, and himself lodged that night in the company. Verse 22. And he rose up that night and took two wives and his two woman servants and his eleven sons and passed over the ford Jabbok. Verse 23. And he took them and sent them over the brook and sent over that he had. Verse 24. And Jacob was left alone. And there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. Now, who might this man be that wrestled with him to the breaking of the day, but the pre-incarnate Christ, the second person of the Trinity, in the form of a man, like he would become as Jesus eventually. The pre-incarnate Christ showed up at an unknown time, an unknown day, and an unknown place, just as he does with all of his elect. If we will remember, former Mr. Morality himself helped hand Jesus over to be crucified to the Romans via Pilate, and then for six to eight years persecuted the Christians. In fact, he had a letter from the high priest to go to Damascus to bring more Christians back to Israel to be persecuted. In fact, when former Mr. Morality is on trial for preaching the gospel, he gives his personal testimony as a defense in Acts 22, verse 1. Men, brethren, and fathers, hear ye my defense, which I make now unto you. Verse 2. And when they heard that he spake in the Hebrew tongue to them, they kept the more silence. And he saith, verse 3, I am verily a man which am a Jew, born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, yet brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, and taught 
according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers, and was zealous towards God, as ye all are this day. Verse 4, And I persecuted this way unto death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women. Verse 5, As also the high priest doth bear me witness, and all the estate of the elders, from whom also I received letters unto the brethren, and went to Damascus to bring them, which were there bound unto Jerusalem, for to be punished. Verse 6, And it came to pass that as I made my journey and was come nigh unto Damascus, about noon, suddenly there shone from heaven a great light round about me. Verse 7, And I fell unto the ground and heard a voice saying unto me, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Verse 8, And I answered, Who art thou, Lord? And he said unto me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. Verse 9, And they that were with me saw indeed the light, and were afraid, but they heard not the voice of him that spake to me. Verse 10, And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said unto me, Arise, and go into Damascus, and there it shall be told of thee of all things which are appointed for thee to do. Verse 11, And when I could not see for the glory of that light, being led by the hand of them that were with me, I came into Damascus. Now, we will notice here that Jesus blinded him. And we will find out that the pre-incarnate Christ is going to cripple Jacob. Let us return to verse 7. And I, Saul, soon to become former Mr. Morality, fell unto the ground and heard a voice saying unto me, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Now, what Jesus was saying to him is that you've been persecuting my Christians for six to eight years. And all the time that you've been persecuting them, they have been preaching the gospel to you. And eventually it was getting to you. And you have finally come to that point to realize how evil your heart is. That if I in fact, am God, you help hand God over to the Romans via Pilate to be crucified or killed. And then you have gone on for six to eight years persecuting my Christians. And when you persecuting my Christians, you are persecuting me. But little did you know that you were one of my elect and it is my mission here on earth, given to me by my Father, to lose none 
of those that were given to me by my father before the foundation of the world. And though you have been one of the greatest enemies of the church, I am here to save you. For you now know that the fountain from which all evil in this world flows is right out of the human heart, right out of your own heart. You have been in defiance to the true God and following a fake Jesus for all these years or a fake Messiah. And the only reason that you know who I am right now is that my Father in heaven just revealed me to you. And now you know that I, in fact, am the Lord, the King of kings, the Lamb of God. And you now, for the first time in your life, understand that your doctrine was a fake doctrine and now you know the true doctrine which is in fact election and that your free will doctrine has been in fact a fiction and that the true doctrine is in fact that the will is bound in salvation just as i instructed peter that the only way that he knew who i was was from the fact that my father in heaven revealed me to him in fact here is what i said to peter matthew chapter 16 verse 13 when i jesus came into the coast of caesarea philippi i asked my disciples saying whom do men say that i the son of man am verse 14 and they said some say that thou art john the baptist some elijah others jeremiah or one of the prophets verse 15 and i said unto them but whom say ye that i am verse 16 and simon peter answered and said thou art christ the son of the living god and i jesus answered and said unto peter blessed art thou simon barjona for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee but my father which is in heaven has revealed it unto thee and you the man who has been one of my worst enemies would never have called me lord for you thought i was nothing more than a rebel rouser but what did you just say you called me Lord. How did you know that I was Lord? Why weren't you shaking your fists at me and cursing me when I said that I am Jesus of Nazareth? Why instead did you call me Lord? How did you instinctively know that I was the Lord? Only because at that moment, my Father in heaven who has been drawing you all these years, revealed me to you. Verse six, again, and it came to pass that as I, Saul, soon to become the apostle Paul, made my journey and was come nigh unto Damascus about noon, suddenly there shone from heaven a great light round about me. 
verse 7, And I fell unto the ground, and I heard a voice saying unto me, Soul, soul, why persecuteth thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Verse 8, And I, Saul, answered, Who art thou, Lord? And Jesus said unto me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecuteth. So it was suddenly that former Mr. Morality knew who Jesus was. For Jesus had made him a new creation, and now he was spiritual. And so instead of just seeing the Son of Man as he did for all those years, he could now see spiritually and he could see the Son of God. And because when he was made a new creation, he became spiritual and it's only the spiritual that can see the spiritual. So suddenly everything that he didn't understand before is now understood. And Ruth Fossil in her song entitled Suddenly captures the experience of our Father in Heaven revealing His Son to His elect. Here are the lyrics to Ruth Fossil's song entitled, Suddenly, quote, Suddenly you come, suddenly you are here, and suddenly I know who you are. Suddenly I see, suddenly you are here, and suddenly I know who you are. I know who you are. Jesus, you're the worthy lamb. Oh, Jesus, you're the worthy lamb. Oh, Jesus, you're the worthy lamb of God. Stanza two, suddenly, you speak, suddenly I hear, and suddenly I know who you are. Suddenly I feel your presence. Suddenly I understand, and suddenly I know who you are. I know who you are. Stanza three, suddenly you will come. Suddenly you will be known. Suddenly, your bride will see who you are. Suddenly, you will speak. Suddenly, you will be revealed. And suddenly, your bride will know who you are, will know who you are. I, former Mr. Morality, agree with Ruth. For I wrote this to my brethren in Galatia, Galatians chapter 1, verse 15. But when it pleased God, not me, I didn't know the time, the day, or the place, but when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb, I was one of the elect, and called me by his grace. For what purpose? Verse 16 to reveal his son in me. Jesus came to live in me. Jesus' spirit came to live in me.
and I wrote in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but it is Christ that lives in me. Again, verse 15, but when it pleased God, it is going to be when it pleases God that Jesus will show up and suddenly he will be revealed to us by his Father. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb, we, the elect, were chosen before the foundation of the world. So in our mother's womb, our Lord Jesus and our Father in heaven knew who we were. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, verse 16, to do what? To reveal his Son in me in order that I might do what? I might preach Jesus among the heathen. Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. Once this happens, we don't need to talk to somebody to know whether or not it was really Jesus that showed up. This is such a dramatic occasion. There is no way to doubt it when the true Jesus shows up in our life. Just as with the Apostle Paul, there was no way to doubt it. And I, former Mr. Morality, wrote in Galatians chapter 1, verse 11, the following. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. I was one of the top Pharisees. I was taught under Gamaliel. I was very fervent. I was above my equals in knowledge. And yet all of that knowledge meant nothing because understanding cannot get us to the true Jesus. The only way we can come to know the true Jesus is by revelation. Verse 11, but I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it of man. But by the revelation of Jesus Christ, everyone who has been truly born again or truly made a new creation experiences this. It is no different than say, a boy who is eight years old and has been blind since birth, and suddenly he is made to see. Will that eight-year-old boy ever forget being translated from 100% darkness into 100% light? The same is true with the new creation. We are in 100% spiritual darkness, and we are translated into 100% spiritual light. And we will never forget that day. Our fast food free will theologians want to dumb down and play down the new creation. And they want instantaneous conversions, which are simply a tweaking of the natural man. Jesus says it this way in Dr. Luke, 
verse 36. And Jesus spake also a parable unto them. No man putteth a piece of a new garment upon an old. If otherwise, then both the new maketh a rent, and the piece that was taken out of the new agreeeth not with the old. What Jesus is saying is you don't put a patch on an old garment. That is, Jesus is not into the remodeling business. We do not try to patch up the natural man, to remodel the natural man. Jesus is into new construction only. And why is he into new construction only? Verse 37, And no man putteth new wine into old bottles, else the new wine will burst the bottles and be spilled, and the bottles shall perish. The wine represents the Spirit of God. Jesus does not pour the Spirit of Christ into the natural man. For the Spirit of Christ is spiritual, and the Spirit of Christ must be poured into a spiritual new creation. The spiritual must be poured into the spiritual. You don't pour spiritual into a natural man. Verse 37 again, And no man putteth new wine into old bottles. Why? Else the new wine will burst the bottles and be spilled, and the bottles shall perish. The Spirit of Christ cannot be put into a natural man, lest it burst. So now let us return to Jacob, who is about to be made a new creation. His Father in heaven is going to reveal the pre-incarnate Christ to Jacob. But first, our Lord is going to cripple Jacob, just as our Lord blinded Saul. This first, again, reread former Mr. Morality's conversion, verse 6. And it came to pass that as I made my journey and was come nigh unto Damascus about noon, suddenly there shone from heaven a great light round about me, Verse 7, and I fell unto the ground. Now, when he fell unto the ground, he was blind, as we will see in a minute here. So while he's speaking to Jesus, he can't see physically. He is blind. Verse 7, and I fell unto the ground and heard a voice saying unto me, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Verse 8, and I answered, who art thou, Lord? And Jesus said unto me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Verse 9, And they that were with me saw indeed the light and were afraid, but they heard not the voice of him that spake to me. And why is that? Because it is a personal encounter when Jesus finds his elect. The other people do not hear the voice because it's an efficacious call that is directly to that particular personal encounter between Jesus and one of his elect. 
Verse 8, And I answered, Who art thou, Lord? And he said unto me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Verse 9, And they that were with me saw indeed the light, and were afraid, but they heard not the voice of him that spake to me. Verse 10, And I said, What shall I do? And the Lord said unto me, Arise, and go into Damascus, and there it shall be told of thee, of all things which are appointed for thee to do. Verse 11, And when I could not see, in other words, I was blind, for the glory of that light, being led by the hand of them that were with me, I came into Damascus. Now let us return to Jacob, and we will find that in this particular conversion of Jacob that he is going to be alone and Instead of blinding Jacob, the Lord is going to cripple Jacob. And why is the Lord going to cripple Jacob? But for the fact that he is afraid that his brother Esau, who has come with 400 men, is going to kill him. And so he has put himself completely at the end of the line, and he has a buffer zone of other people in between before his brother Esau gets to him. And so the Lord is crippling him so that there is no way that he can run from being murdered by his brother Esau. Genesis chapter 32, verse 22. And Jacob rose up that night and took his two wives and his two women servants and his 11 sons and passed over the ford Jabbok. Verse 23. And Jacob took them and sent them over the brook and sent over that he had. Verse 24, And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. We all, as natural men Americans, are born into this world with a nature, a sin nature that is in rebellion with God. Maybe we have had a son that is born a leader and very strong-willed, and that strong-willed son must be broken. Otherwise, that strong-willed son will self-destruct, for by nature he runs wild, and therefore he must learn to be focused like a thoroughbred horse must be broken so that it can focus straight down the track in order to win. But what are we doing with our children who are born leaders? We are not spanking them for it is not culturally acceptable. And thus we just try to keep the lid on things or we do as many of our parents or their schools prescribe is to put them on drugs like Ritalin or Prozac. Instead of doing simply what God tells us to do, Proverbs chapter 29, verse 17, correct thy son and he shall give thee rest. Yea, he shall give delight unto thy soul. 15, the rod and reproof give wisdom. But a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. Proverbs 19, 18, Chasten thy son while there is hope, and let not thy soul spare for his crying. 
Proverbs 13, 24. He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth his son chasteneth him betimes. Thus, we as American parents must discipline, especially our children, which are leaders, so that they will not self-destruct, so that they will be focused and they will be better than anybody else because they are born leaders. They are the ones that are going to challenge us. And thus, it simply comes down to who is going to be in charge. Are they going to be in charge or are we as parents going to be in charge? And in order to show that we are in charge, we simply apply God's methods, tried and true methods. So that those children that are leaders will become disciplined and focus all their energy into becoming productive Americans. As Christian parents, let us not go the way of the world, which will destroy our young leaders that were born leaders. And we as the elect are born elect. And we have a defiant nature towards God, just like all the non-elect. And thus, God must wrestle with us. God must discipline us in order for him to save us. For we don't want him. Just like Saul had no time for Jesus whatsoever. No time for the true Jesus. He had a false Messiah, a false Jesus, but he had absolutely no time for the true Jesus. In fact, the true Jesus just upset him. So we find that in the case of Jacob, the pre-incarnate Christ is going to deal with this great manipulator, Jacob who by taking advantage of Esau's impetuousness, swindled him into selling him his birthright and then stealing his birthright by deceiving his father. Always up to some type of trickery. And now in this case, with his brother Esau and 400 men coming at him, instead of facing his brother face to face, he puts everyone else out in front of him and he's hiding at the back of the buffer zone and most likely planning to hightail it in the opposite direction if he begins to see that Esau is not being appeased by all his gifts. But God says, no, no, you're not going to be fleeing anywhere. And so what does he do? But he is going to put his hip out of joint and cripple him. And to get a little better idea of this buffer zone, let us go back to verse 17. And Jacob commanded the foremost, saying, When Esau my brother meeteth thee, and asketh thee, saying, Whose art thou, and whither goest thou, and whose are these before thee? Verse 18. Then thou shalt say, They be thy servant Jacob, it is a present sent unto my Lord Esau. Now, you'll notice he's calling him Lord Esau when, in fact, he has been given the blessing. And so he, by the blessing of his father Isaac, is Lord over Esau. And he is calling himself Esau's servant when in reality Esau is his servant. 
And so he's not even believing the blessing that his father gave to him. For he himself is yet to become a new creation, and thus he is not yet spiritual and does not know the spiritual side of the pre-incarnate Christ. Verse 19, And so commanded he the second and the third, and all that followed the droves, saying, On this manner shall ye speak unto Esau when ye find him. Verse 20, And say ye moreover, Behold, thy servant Jacob, notice again he's calling himself the servant Jacob, is behind us. For Jacob said, I will appease him with the present that goeth before me, and afterward I will see his face, peradventure he will accept of me. Well, these people that he's put before him, they may all die. There's 400 men coming with Esau. And instead of, again, Jacob being out in the front, here he is hiding himself behind all of his servants. Verse 21. So went the present over before him and himself lodged that night in the company. Verse 22. And he rose up that night and he took his two wives and his two women servants and his 11 sons and passed over the ford Jabbok. Verse 23. And he took them and sent them over the brook and sent over that he had. Verse 24. And Jacob was left alone. And there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. So this is the pre-incarnate Christ wrestling with him, wrestling with one of his elect. Verse 24. And Jacob was left alone and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day verse 25 and when he saw he prevailed not against him and when the pre-incarnate christ saw that he prevailed not against him and it is the same thing when we as parents have tried everything but we have that leader's son who is not going to comply then we have to go to the means of the rod. Well, here, the pre-incarnate Christ had wrestled with him and prevailed not. What did the pre-incarnate Christ do? And when the pre-incarnate Christ saw that he prevailed not against Jacob, what did he do? He touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. Verse 26. And he said, let me go for the day breaketh. Now, Jacob knows that this is not a normal encounter, that this is a supernatural encounter. And he also knows there is no way with his hip out of joint that he's going to be going anywhere and thus has no way to escape the wrath of his brother Esau. And thus, he does not want to let the pre-incarnate Christ go. He holds on to him with all his might, knowing that if the pre-incarnate Christ 
believes that he probably is going to be murdered by his brother Esau. And now that he has Jacob's attention, what do we think that the pre-incarnate Christ is going to do unto Jacob? What is he going to say to Jacob at this point? Now, those of us who have listened to the message upon the woman at the well know precisely probably what Jesus is going to do. If we remember, Jesus went out of his way to go to Samaria, for he knew one of his elect was going to be there, who is known as the woman at the well. And Jesus' father is going to reveal Jesus to this woman. So let's take a few excerpts from this passage to remind us what happened. On chapter 4, verse 7, There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. Verse 9, Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Verse 10, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest, the gift of God, which is the righteousness of God, and who it is that saith unto thee, give me to drink. I am God. I am the pre-incarnate Christ who became Jesus. And who it is that saith unto thee, give me to drink. Thou would have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Now, why living water? Was former Mr. Rowdy has written, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but it is Christ that lives in me. The living water, Christ's spirit lives in the elect, and it is bubbling up, bubbling over with love. Verse 11, the woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Verse 12, art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Verse 13, Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. Verse 14, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. That is because I, Jesus, will, my spirit will come to live in you. Verse 15, the woman saith unto her, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Verse 16, Jesus saith unto her. Now, what is Jesus going to do here? He is now going to convict her of sin. 16, Jesus saith unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. Now, why do we think that Jesus is going to say, Go call thy husband? Simply because he knows she has no husbands and that she has had five husbands, and she is living with a man now. 16, Jesus saith unto her, Go call thy husband, and come hither. Verse 17, the woman answered and said, I have no husband. 
Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. Verse 18, For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband in that saidest thou truly. Verse 19, The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Verse 25, the woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, the true Jesus cometh, which is called Christ. And when he is come, he will tell us all things. Verse 26, Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. I am the pre-incarnate Christ. So she knew that the true Messiah would know all things. And he proved to her that he did know all things by knowing her past. And Jesus' father reveals Jesus to this woman. And verse 28, the woman left her water pot and went her way into the city and said to the men, verse 29, come, see a man which told me all things that I ever did. Is not this the Christ? Is not this the true Jesus? He truly does know all things. So Jesus convicted this woman of sin before he converted her, before he made her a new creation. Now let us go back to Jacob, verse 24. And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day, verse 25. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint, as he wrestled with him, verse 26. And he said, let me go for the day breaketh. So the pre-incarnate Christ says, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, I, and Jacob said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. Verse 27. And the pre-incarnate Christ said to Jacob, what is thy name. Now, when the pre-incarnate Christ said, what is thy name? What do we think Jacob would be reminded of? Let us return to the passage when Jacob is stealing the blessing from Esau by deceiving his father. Genesis chapter 27, verse 5. And Rebekah, Jacob's mother, heard when Isaac, his father, spake to Esau, his son. And Esau went to the field to hunt for venison and to bring it. Verse 6, And Rebekah spake unto Jacob, her son, saying, Behold, I heard thy father speak unto Esau, thy brother, saying, Verse 7, Bring me venison and make me savory meat, that I may eat and bless thee before the Lord before my death. And so what is Rebecca going to have Jacob do? But go in to see his father Isaac, who is blind or almost blind, and act like he is Esau. Verse 18, And Jacob came unto his father Isaac and said, My father. And Isaac said, Here am I. Who art thou? my son. 
verse 19. And Jacob said unto his father, I am Esau, thy firstborn. I have done according as thou badest me. Arise, I pray thee, sit and eat of my venison that my soul may bless me. Verse 20, And Isaac said unto his son, How is it that thou hast found it so quickly, my son? And he said, Because the Lord thy God brought it to me. Verse 21, And Isaac said unto Jacob, Come near, I pray thee, that I may feel thee, my son, whether thou be my very son, Esau, or not. Verse 22, And Jacob went near unto Isaac his father, and he felt him, and he said, The voice is of Jacob's, but the hands are the hands of Esau. Verse 23, And he discerned him not, because his hands were hairy, as his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. Verse 24, And he said, Art thou my very son Esau? And he said, I am. And so this whole problem of Esau and his 400 men coming to meet Jacob and Jacob being afraid resulted from the fact of what? That Jacob lied and said that his name was Esau and not Jacob. He lied to his father and told him that his name was Esau, not Jacob. So what do we think the pre-incarnate Christ is going to do? But to remind Jacob of what caused all this problem. Genesis chapter 32, verse 24. And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man, the pre-incarnate Christ, with him until the breaking of the day. Verse 25. And when... The pre-incarnate Christ saw that he prevailed not against him. He touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. Verse 26, And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. Verse 27, And he said unto him, And the pre-incarnate Christ said unto him. And what do we think the pre-incarnate Christ is going to say unto him? Maybe the same type of thing that he said unto the woman at the well. Go call your husband. Why? Because she was in sin. So what sin is he going to convict Jacob of? Let us find out. Verse 26. And he said, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. Verse 27. And he said unto him, What is thy name? Now, what do we think that would remind Jacob of? But of the time when his father had asked him what his name was. And he lied and said that he was Esau. Verse 26. And he said, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. So Jacob is asking him to bless him. Verse 27. And the pre-incarnate Christ said unto him, 
Before he could bless him, he had to convict him of sin. And so he says, what is thy name? And Jacob said, and he said, Jacob said, my name is Jacob. And we can imagine how Jacob felt at that moment. But our Lord is a merciful God and a loving God. And when we mourn over our sins and cry out for mercy, he is more than willing to forgive us. Verse 28 again. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. So God changes his name from Jacob to Israel. He changed Peter's name from Simon to Peter. John 1.42, Jesus said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, or Peter. Verse 29, And Jacob asked the pre-incarnate Christ and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And the pre-incarnate Christ said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. Verse 30, and Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. Now, why had he seen him face to face? Well, at the time of Jesus, Judas had never seen Jesus face to face. As a natural man, he could see Jesus face to face but he could never see the Son of God. But Peter had seen Jesus face to face because Peter was a new creation and he knew that Jesus was God and therefore he could see Jesus, the spiritual side of Jesus, face to face. He could see God face to face. But Judas was not spiritual, therefore he could not see God face to face. But the man that wrestled with Jacob was the pre-incarnate Christ. And so Jacob became spiritual. Now he could see God face to face. And as Ruth Fossil writes in her song entitled, Suddenly, Suddenly you come. Suddenly you are here. And suddenly I, Jacob, know who you are. Suddenly, I, Jacob, see. Suddenly, you are here. And suddenly, I, Jacob, know who you are. I know who you are. When the pre-incarnate Christ wrestled with Jacob and did not prevail by any type of reasoning, the pre-incarnate Christ crippled Jacob. Just as many times we may be one of the elect and God has slam dunked us. And innately, we know that it is for our own good. Thus, are we encouraged by that and do as Jacob did? He would not let the pre-incarnate Christ go until he blessed him. And if God has slam dunked us, instead of accusing God, 
we should continue to wrestle with him and not let him go until he blesses us. That is, we should wrestle with him in prayer as Jesus instructs in his parable. Dr. Luke chapter 18, verse 1. Jesus spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Verse 2, saying there was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. Verse 3, and there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. Verse 4, and the judge would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man. Verse 5, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Verse 6, and the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge saith. Verse 7, and shall not God avenge his own elect which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them. Verse 8, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. And so let us as Americans pray without fainting as this widow did, or as Jacob did when he encountered the pre-incarnate Christ, he continued to not let him go until he was blessed. And if Jesus comes knocking at our door, let us open the door that he might come in and sup with us and through prayer, not let him go until he has blessed us. And to bring this message to a conclusion, let us listen carefully how Jesus instructs us to pray. Dr. Luke chapter 11. And it came to pass that as he, Jesus, was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. Verse 2. And Jesus said unto them, When ye pray, say, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed or holy be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. As in heaven, so in earth. Verse 3, give us day by day our daily bread. Verse 4, and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive every one that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Verse 5, And Jesus said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend? And shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. Verse 6, For a friend of mine in his journey is come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. Verse 7, and he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. 
Verse 8, I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. Verse 9, and I say unto you, ask, that is, keep on asking, it's in present tense, keep on asking and it shall be given you. Keep on seeking and ye shall find. Keep on knocking and it shall be opened unto you. Verse 10, for everyone that keeps on asking, keeps on receiving, and he that keeps on seeking, keeps on finding, and to him that keeps on knocking, it shall be opened. Verse 11, if a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Verse 12, or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Verse 13, if ye, then being evil, my disciples, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that keep on asking him? Sherman John writes, 1 John 4, 13, Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us because he hath given us of his spirit. Former Mr. Morality writes to his brethren in Corinth, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, I command you, examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Not let somebody else prove you, but prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates and Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I, former Mr. Morality, am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. But it is Christ that lives in me. Let us wrestle in prayer with Jesus as Jacob did. Let us pray as the widow did with the unjust judge. Let us pray as Jesus has taught us. And thus Jesus says to us Americans, if ye then being evil, for we all are born with an evil sin nature, if ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Former Mr. Morality writes to his brethren in Rome, Chapter 8, verse 5. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. Verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Verse 7. Because the carnal mind is enmity or hatred against God. 
for it is not subject to the law of God, which demands perfection, neither indeed can be. Verse 8, so then they that are in the flesh, or who are natural men, cannot please God. Verse 9, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, because you are a new creation. You are now spiritual. If so, that the spirit of God dwell in you. So you are a new creation if the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Let us remember that the spirit of Christ or the spirit of God is separate from our conscience and dwells in us. It was never there as a natural man or almost Christian, but it is now there. And we react to it much quicker than we do to our conscience. For we can grieve the spirit or quench the spirit, which puts a fear in us because we begin to lose fellowship with God. And we can feel the love of God slipping from us. That love which is far superior to any human love. And thus we immediately begin to recite excerpts from Psalm 51, 38, and 139 in order to help us restore that fellowship. Psalm 51, have mercy upon us, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out our transgressions, wash us thoroughly from our iniquity, and cleanse us from our sin. For we acknowledge our transgressions, and our sin nature is ever before us. Against thee and thee only have we sinned and done this evil in thy sight, in order that thou might be justified in justifying us. Urge us with hyssop, and we shall be clean. Wash us, and we shall be whiter than snow. Make us to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from our sins, and blot out all our iniquities. Create in us a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within us. Cast us not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from us. Restore unto us the joy of thy salvation and uphold us with thy free spirit. Search us, O God, and know our heart. Try us and know our thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in us and lead us in the way everlasting. O Lord, rebuke us not in thy wrath, neither chasten us in thy hot displeasure. For thine arrows stick fast in us, and thy hand presses us sore. There is no soundness in our flesh because of thine anger. And there is no rest in our bones because of our sin. For our iniquities are gone over our head as a heavy burden. 
They are too heavy for us. Our wounds stink and are corrupt because of our foolishness. We are troubled. We are bowed down greatly. We go mourning all the day long for our loins are filled with a loathsome disease and there is no soundness in our flesh. We are feeble and sore broken. We have roared by the reason of the disquietness of our heart. Lord, all our desire is before thee and our groaning is not hid from thee. Our heart panteth, our strength faileth us. As for the light of our eyes, it is also gone from us. Our lovers and our friends stand aloof from our sore, and our kinsmen stand afar off. They also that seek after our life lay snares for us, and they that seek our hurt speak mischievous things and imagine deceits all the day long. But we, as deaf men, heard not, and we as dumb men that openeth not our mouth. Thus we as men that heareth not, and in whose mouth are no reproofs. For in thee, O Lord, do we hope thou wilt hear, O Lord our God. For we said, Hear us, lest otherwise they should rejoice over us when our foot slippeth, they magnify themselves against us. For we are ready to halt, and our sorrow is continually before us. For we will declare our iniquity, and we will be sorry for our sin. But our enemies are lively, and they are strong, and they that hate us wrongfully are multiplied. They also that render evil for good are our enemies because we follow the thing that is good. Forsake us not, O Lord, our God. Be not far from us. Make haste to help us, O Lord, our salvation. May the Lord bless thee and keep thee in the name of Jesus. Amen.